you 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 don't want to be the guy that's not following the advice that's coming out of your own mouth. So like you don't want to be a bullshitter. So if you wanna if you wanna um, if you really want to change people or like be be a change, you need to like talk with your actions. Let your actions always lead the teaching. So that's what I focus on. I focus on just like leading with my actions. Talking to yourself. I mean, that's it's it's like a bully in the head. It's like like we all have a bully in our head that we let run the show too often. And it's like no 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 not not anymore, bro. How are you gonna break the pattern, man? You got this bullshit operating system that you identify as it's not working, right? It's like operating system. Um, I'm gonna make myself feel worse, and I'm not good enough, and I'm gonna compare myself with everybody else. Operating system, click, and that's how we run our lives. It's like no, fuck that. I'm taking that out, and I'm doing something. Welcome to the dumbest guy in the room. My name is Bill. I'm your host uh, today. I have a great guest, man. I'm really excited to to hear his story. Um, you know, we kind of just uh, started this, and then it, it wasn't recording, so I had to jump back in. But today, I got Nick Ferdinand. Hey, Nick, uh, if you could, man, just tell me a little bit about yourself, man. I, you know you better than anybody else. Um, so go ahead, man, and introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is funny. This is the second time we're doing it, but um, no, I appreciate it, Bill. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on here, tell my story, kind of tell everybody about my gym. You know, I'm a new gym. Um, I have a gym. It's called NF Sports Strength, located in uh, Northeast Philadelphia, Croydon, PA. And um, you know, a little quick background on me. Um, always, always aspired to be a pro athlete. Didn't really care if it was football or baseball. Um, went to Archbishop Ryan High School. That's kind of like where my 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 path started, and uh, put put together some good years there. Got got some uh, got some looks for some D one schools, some Division two schools in football, and um, ultimately went to Bloomsburg, and then transferred to University of Delaware to play baseball, and then was uh, fortunate enough to get drafted by the Phillies, which was awesome hometown team. And uh, spent four years playing pro ball. And that was always my, my initial dream as a kid growing up was uh, I want to be, want to be a pro athlete. Um, didn't really think of anything past that, to be honest with you. I was kind of like all in on that. And, um, you know, going through that process of trying to, you know, when my playing day was done, when I was kind of, when I got released and I had to make a decision, do I want to keep playing? What do I do? You know that was a that was a huge turning point for me. You know we all go through tur- turning points. Um, that was definitely mine. It was a it was an identity change. I was always associated with being like, you know, the baseball guy. Now I'm like no job guy. Got nothing going on. So I had to kind of deal with that. And uh, you know took some did some jobs, uh, worked the sales job. Ultimately 
didn't like it after a year and then ended up pursuing this, this profession that I'm in now after, um, after some soul searching a little bit. And I realized that, you know, it's okay to have multiple dreams. It's okay to just, you know, if one dream doesn't work out, pivot, go on to the next one. And, you know, you can either, for, for me, I can either spend a lot of time dwelling on the past or just kind of moving forward on a new dream. So um, it took me like two years to get to that point, to be honest with you. But finally got there. And uh, long story short, moved up to Boston for a year to intern under a, a strength and conditioning coach and work at a gym for free. I had to work like side jobs in order to like kind of pay my way up there. Um, had to get creative, going on Facebook, asking for like friends. Hey, does anybody have a couch I can kind of crash on until I find the place? Did that, did that for like a couple months, which was, it really kind of, it forces you to kind of dig deep. And, um, but it was cool. It was all a big adventure for me. You know, I've always been adventurous. So I like that kind of stuff. And then when I ended up coming back, back home to the Philly area, I just said, screw it. I'm just going to go all in on this. So, um, I'm, uh, originally I was at a, uh, before COVID I was renting space at a location in Huntington Valley. Like it was a baseball, baseball facility. And I was like in the corner. And then when COVID hit, it put everything to a stop. And it was kind of like a blessing in the skies because I wasn't so high on that visit, that, that, that spot, because there was a lot of noise. There was, there was like when I was training people, there was actually baseball lessons going on. So like little kids screaming, balls hitting the bats, the dings, all that. It was a very distracting environment. So when COVID happened, this was another opportunity for, for, for me to kind of go, okay, maybe how do I turn this not so good opportunity into something to my advantage? And I ended up getting out of that location, taking everything into my home garage and started running my business out of my home garage. And I did that for 2020, 2021, all the way up to last August. So a year from now when I found this location and um, I've been here for almost a year now and it's been a hell of a ride. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of like where I'm at now. And right now I specialize in preparing the high school athlete, in all sports, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, male, female, for, for it, it, my program works best for, for, for people who are motivated for athletes who are motivated to get a scholarship or go play college sports, because the program that I do is a professional style program. And it's, it's going to prepare that for anything they do in college. So it's almost like going to an SAT prep class, but now you're, you're doing the prep class for the weight room that you're going to, experience in college or at the pro level. So um, that's one population I work with, an athlete population. The other population I work with is just general population, adults in their 60s, adults in their 50s, uh, adults in their 20s, late 20s, 30s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like the, the short end of my story. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we can uh, – the second time around, that actually went better. So I, so maybe the recording was the recording not going on was a was a blessing in the skies, my friend. It is. Uh, 
it, it is funny how that works, but at the same time, dude, I love the authenticity of yes. a conversation, but this is the, f- the first time that this ever happened to me where I had to do it a, a second time. Um, but dude, you know, but since we're doing it a second time, the question I really think I want to know, because this is, I know Eddie, Eddie was a hockey player, a goalie. He played for Ryan too, if I'm not mistaken, right, Ed? Yeah. Um, I personally never, I dropped out of high school, dude. Like I was a terrible kid. I went down the, the wrong path quickly. And, but again, my dream was always from a little kid, I'm going to play professional sports. And you get in high school, you find alcohol, you find drugs, you find other things that people are paying attention to. And I went that route. But for most of my friends, most people I know, family, everybody, that was the goal. I'm going to play professionally with some sport. And most of us don't get there, right? It's a very small percentage. What can you just, especially since you got drafted to the Phillies, right? Like that's a team that we all wear the big, the P on our hat. Like we have been representing them since very little kids. Can you describe that feeling when you seen that you were drafted to the Philadelphia Phillies and like, how long did it last that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget it. It was, um, I was so nervous because I was a, I, I got drafted in the 35th round. So there's 50 at that time in 2013, there was about 50 rounds and I was slotted to get drafted between uh, the 15th round and the 30th round. So like anywhere between there, like that's where I was projected to. So it could have been the twenties, could have been the, could have been the, like so when in the, the draft the, the rounds were going by my name wasn't getting called i was like um freaking out and the way that you found out was you'd go on the computer like this and you'd watch the live draft it's not as sexy as like as the nfl like the first two rounds where like you're physically going in because right. there's so many rounds but um so i was sitting i was sitting at my computer like this and I got, I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm going out. I'm going to play. I played a round of golf and I had it on my phone. So I was like playing around the golf, like freaking out, like, like maybe I'm not going to get drafted. You know, what do I do now? And then when, when I got the phone call, it was like, a, it, it was a, such a buildup and anticipation of everything. It was just like a, a, a super like calming, like climax and it was like all right this is uh this is pretty cool man and now and 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 it was it was a moment it was like i gave myself a couple hours i gave myself the rest of the round to round the golf to kind of appreciate what was happening and then when i left i was like all right i gotta get to work and um you know ultimately uh i was like super motivated it got me it put a fire under me like no other um, you know, not to get so heavy and deep and grim, but like, this was a time when my dad was battling cancer. So that was kind of cool. So he got an opportunity to see me. Um, he since passed away. He actually passed away the following year, which kind of, which I think about it, you know, I, I, so I got drafted in June and he passed away that December. So he did, he got an opportunity to watch me play couple times but I went into the offseason dealing with that and um, 
yeah, that, that, uh, that affected me more than I thought it was. So, um, you know, cause I always thought like, Oh, I can't let it, nothing's going to affect me. I'm going to stay tunnel vision and blah, blah, blah. And, um, but yeah, that kind of, that kind of screwed me up a little bit. And, um, I don't know, like if I was going through like a, like a slump or something, he was someone I'd always call, but I didn't have that opportunity. And, um, I don't know. I don't want to make any excuses for anything, but like that, that definitely was a challenge. That was yeah, definitely man. a challenge at that moment. I'm sorry to hear that, brother. I, I, uh, my, my old man passed away from pancreatic cancer, right? Uh, two years now. I don't even know. Did it feels like yesterday, yeah. but it's like, I know that feeling like of when something happens, good, bad, and different, not to have that phone call. Yep. Like my son was, I was telling you, my son likes, uh, loves baseball. And it was so weird because, you know, I know he passed away in things, but when my son would do something or have a game, my first instinct thought was I call my old man. And then it was like, damn, my old man's not there. And it was almost like the first time I realized that like, we're not, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but like, you're not immortal. Like, this life does end. This life is short. This life, you know, we have to live it. Uh, and you have to live it every day. For some reason, man, that resonates with me just because I do feel like that was the life-changing moment for me where my mind started to, to change was when my old man passed away. Wow. And, I, dude, I don't know how you did it, honestly, with that type of pressure at, at that level. And being able to stay focused, is, I, don't, I don't think it's an excuse that you're making, brother, at all. I think it's something that, you know, until it happens to you or you don't really understand it. It's not really an explainable thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah, I mean, being – I was never really in touch with my feelings, you know. Like, yeah. you know, that was another thing. Like, so dealing with, like, that, like, was kind of – it was such a, it was a unique experience because it was like, you know, like you're, you're, you don't know how to feel. It's like, do I cry? Um, like I need to be strong. So I, I don't know. The grieving process is, is, is tough. And that was definitely a new experience for me. And um, I definitely became a lot more empathetic towards others after that, which which uh, not not to say that I wasn't before, but it's 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 real, man. It's like it's it's, it's when it happen when you experience things like that, um, it wakes you up. You kind of wake up in life. Mm -hmm. And you were dealing with the high, that one of the highest that you've your highest of highs that you've ever had. Yeah. And at the same time, dealing with one of the lows, which can you know that that's got to be difficult to battle, especially if you haven't been in touch with your feelings. Because I don't know if you're like me or Eddie, like Eddie, uh, um, you know, he has his story with, with drugs and sobriety and same with me, man. I've been sober now. It's July. So exactly might even be six years on the day, to be honest with you. It's, I'm six years sober uh, this year. And that's from suppressing all of those feelings and not wanting to ever have to deal with them. And that's why I'm always big. And that's why I kind of feel like I probably went to the question of how did it feel when that happened to you? 
because I think it's important that we can articulate the feeling behind things because it helps us better kind of understand where we're going in life. Right. Um, so with that experience, do you think that that experience has kind of uh, helped you with the reason why you made this gym and how do you use it with your students like yeah. to try to help them out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think it, it definitely helped. Uh, hindsight 2020 at the time. Um going through all those experiences, um, you know, you know, it makes me think about uncertainty, you know, when you have uncertain, like dealing with uncertainty, I think is one of the most challenging things to deal with in life because no one teaches you about it. And, um, we all cope in different ways, how to deal with uncertainty, you know, by the way, congratulations for being sober for six years. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, we deal with uncertainty in different ways. And um, one of the silver linings of my dad going through his whole four-year battle, it was very aggressive uh, squamous cell carcinoma cancer. It was a skin cancer that basically like ate away at his, his, uh, his face. It was, wasn't the prettiest of cancers. Um, but it really motivated me to get into health and fitness, to be honest with you. Um, because I was like it doing my own research to learn about his case. So I was motivated to learn to, to, I was motivated because my dad was like dying. So it was like life or death type motivation. I'm going to read all the books. I'm going to learn all this, uh, learn all the foundational things that I need to learn. Um, oh, and by the way, I can help myself out too. So that, that, you know, to answer your question, I mean, that's kind of like the path that led me down. So um, when, when that moment happened where, where um, you know, he finally did pass away, I mean, it was a challenge. I was still playing. I still ended up playing three more years, but um, it really, it really woke me up in the sense of what you just talked about, which is like kind of looking at your feelings, looking at kind of like these other areas of your life that, that you've never looked at before. Um, journaling, you know, I got into like journaling, I got into like meditation, I got into reading, I got into uh, basically any type of thing that was going to kind of get me to the truth. You know, I became like a seeker of truth that I still kind of carry on to this day. And um, yeah, digging the psychology too, it kind of motivated me to get into that life. So how I, how I help my clients out, um, I like to do an exercise with them every once in a while. Like if I, for example, if I have a, if I have a, like a, a high school kid who's unsure about their future, they're unsure about what they want to do, whether they want to go into college or say they, they already have a college scholarship and they're like, hey, what major do I do? Because I've kind of been through this process of trying to seek out and kind of find find out who I am through various books and hiring coaches and all that. I'll go through, I'll go through like an exercise on the whiteboard with them. It's from a book called what color is your parachute. It's, it's basically like a, a book about, uh, 
finding a job basically, but it's deeper than that. It's really about it's really about finding out what your interests are, what your strengths are, what comes most natural to you, and building your career around that. Versus you go on indeed.com and you just look for a job opening. And you try to like put a square square peg in a round hole. It's like um, so I'll, I'll you know in, in more of a practical sense, that's what I'll do with uh, with some of my clients. Um, that I've actually done that with them in the past. And um, it seems to work out. I mean, they, they like it. Whether, whether, they, whether they act on it is out of my control. Um, I'm kind of motivated to just at least ex- let them experience something like that. And that's it, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's awesome, dude. And I think that when you say whether they act on it, it's kind of up to them. There obviously is a sense of responsibility that falls on the the person that you're trying to uh, mentor and and help down the right path. But I also think like when I look back at my life, man, I don't, I I might not necessarily take advice or do the things that I'm being told I should be doing right away. But something else will happen in my life, whether it's a, a day, a week, a year, 10 years down the line, where that moment will come back and be like, that's what they meant. Right. So it might not happen right away because you don't fully understand it yet. But I feel like just putting it out there in somebody's life could be life changing five years from now. And they'll be like, that's what Nick was trying to get to me. I just wasn't ready to take it in yet. Whether or not even they can even point it back, pinpoint it to you. Right. Like I think there's so many people that have impact on my life that I probably can't even go back and say that they did it, but they did. And I'll never really know that. We just did one with our buddy Mike, Mike Gennel. And he brings up that, you know, when he got sober, it was when he was sitting in jail and one of our other friends came to his mind and was like, he was like, if that dude could do it, I could do it. And the other guy does no idea that that ever took place, you know? So like our actions and the things that we do are physically actually doing, whether or not we think it's being helping people, they are, you know, and sometimes we don't really understand that the impact of what we're doing is, is really important for other people to actually see. Um, but the one thing that you brought up earlier in, when you opened up was identity, right. And finding your identity and trying to figure out who Nick is. Right. And you became a, you became a professional ball player. You were on the Phillies. You, uh, we're playing in the minors for, I think you said four years and then it ended. And, you know, I know that feeling, but from a different financial standpoint, from a different point, And I was in the financial world. I was in banking, started out in a call center, made it up to, and uh, got all my licenses to sell investments. I uh, got my own branch. So I was a licensed branch manager and it came to an end abruptly. And it was like, I defined who Bill was now. Cause I, this isn't what it, I got there. I had that feeling of, man, this is always what I wanted. But then a week goes by and you're like, why don't I have that feeling of, uh, that I thought I was going to have when I got here. Right. So the same happened for you and the ultimate, you know, of, if I look back and say that would be like my ultimate goal back when I was a kid and then it comes crashing down. It's like, now what? So how did you like, I know you said you got into psychology and things like that, but you know, how did you f- refine your identity? Was it something external or was it the inside stuff that you're like, who is Nick? Where do I, you know, who is Nick? 
Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a little uh, internet delay here. I can still hear you. Can you see yeah. hear us? Yeah. Yeah, I can. I, okay, you're good. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Yeah, I can hear you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a loaded question because there's so much that to unpack in that. Um, I don't know if there was just one point or one moment, and I think that's uh, that's always the the movie thing, right? It's like you know, there's always a movie scene where it's like, oh, it's, here's the epiphany. So uh, we, you know, it, you know, I watched a lot of movies growing up, so I always tend to think like my life's a movie and like there's always gonna be a moment like that and then i realize like oh life's not a movie you know um but i don't know man like um it's a it's a uh all i can tell you is that like for the most part we make a a lot of i've made a lot of decisions based off of who i identify with so if I'm like Nick, the pro baseball player, I'm going to act, talk, think like that guy. So, you know, kind of be mindful about who you want to identify with, you know. So um, kind of going down the path of uh, truth in a sense, you know, just through reading books and stuff and um, probably reading, reading books that, that I probably normally wouldn't read, you know, like self-development books, um, learning about people's stories. Um, reading's a game changer, I think. I think it, I think that's a great, I think that was probably the moment where uh, I started to, to kind of feel like I can shape my identity the way I wanted it to. It was kind of reading, reading about it. Reading's, reading's a game changer. Uh, I was never into reading. I felt like I never had the attention span. Um, I never really saw the value in it until one day I started to read and I was like, holy shit, like some, some man or woman spent four or five years writing and, and crystallizing their thoughts. And then there was a whole team of editors that came in and uh, edited and, and, you know, parsed out and teased out what was important, what wasn't important, kind of trimmed the fat and kind of, came up with this super clear idea about a book about a topic. So like that was kind of like, whoa, that kind of, that sold me on reading and then ultimately starting to take recommendations from people when they said, Oh, you got to read this book, not just saying yes, shaking my head and then, you know, fucking procrastinating on it, like actually doing it. Um, probably from the age of like 25, 20, 24, 23 to like 28, I would, there was a lot of Friday nights and Saturday nights I spent at like Barnes and Nobles, just like self-educating, like, because I was kind of over like the whole, you know, how many times can you go out and party, you know, it was fun, and, um, but I wanted more, I wanted something a little bit, I wanted to, I wanted to learn more, I had a curiosity that, that needed to be, uh, that, that needed to be like, there was a thirst for it that I needed to, to figure out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, getting off topic here, but yeah, that was, I, I would say, I would say uh, that, and, and something I always remind myself of is uh, um, 
when you can get in line with what you're thinking, what you're saying, and what you're doing, when that's all in alignment, that's how you create like a like a self like confidence. Like that's how you create confidence in yourself. That's how you create good energy. And you're not bullshitting yourself because you're thinking you're somebody. You're talking about that, but you're fucking doing it. And it like creates like a, it creates like a truth. It creates like a, a groundedness in you that's that that's unshakable. And I feel like that's probably like your higher, you know, if you're talking about like your higher self or whatever, like that's probably a good place to operate from. I, I love that, dude. I never really heard it put in those terms of uh, aligning those three things. And it, it is so true. And I think one of the, the where I always battle or when you hear people talking about that before you're actually doing it, or if you're in a, a bad mindset when you're trying to learn these things, is you also think that when people are talking about that, that, they're lived, that that's happening for them 24-7 that like that's their new life and it's i don't know about you but for me it's not it's not all the time that i'm doing that it's just that's where i'm aiming and i get to experience that a lot more when i'm aiming for that and i still have you know the downside i still have my days where i'm not you know fully uh mentally there fully physically there um and it's difficult to kind of be there all the time and i don't know if it's possible dude but i strive for it being possible like that. I could be like that all the time. And I love that you bring up reading because uh, that's actually one of my segments of my podcast is we do a book review and I'll pick a book and then Eddie will pick a book. My boy, Mike will pick a book. I just got somebody else, you know, involved. He picks a book and then we talk about the book or we try to get the author of the book on the, you know, really see where he was coming from with the book. Um, and I think that was a game changer for me too. Like, uh, dude, I dropped out of high school. So reading to me, dude, I read holes. Like that was the book I read in school, you know? And then from there I was like, I don't need this crap. I know everything. And then kind of recognizing that. And that's where the name of my podcast came from. The dumbest guy in the room. It's like, I, I don't ever, I, I want to talk to everybody. Like they can teach me something. Like I'm listening to everybody that I, that I hear talk. Like they know something that I need to know. You know, like, and I try to do that, whether or not I, you know, disagree with everything that they said. It's like, I need to come away with something. There's something that you're talking about that I need to know. So what is it? Yeah. And that changed my life, dude, like getting that. And I feel like from at a young age, you know, I could think about some of the people I listened to and no matter their expertise or where I so thought they were in life, I still, for some reason, thought I knew better, you know, like it. Like, so what I'm saying for you as a coach, as taking on these young guys and trying to mentor them, are they receptive? Do you think that they're receptive of that concept of trying to put their mind, body and everything kind of aligned? Or do you think it's, is it difficult still to get, you know, younger guys to actually understand that concept? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, compliance is always a challenge in this field, meaning, we give out recommendation, are they going to follow it or not? Um, but compliance is challenging for every human, regardless of the age. Um, ultimately, from my experience and the coaches, the best coaches that I've been around and the continuing education that, that I've done, um, 
you know, humans are mimicking machines. Like we're programmed to mimic. And ultimately we follow, uh, uh, people learn differently. You know, some people are kinesthetic learners, like meaning they, they feel in their body, they need to, I tell you to do something. I say, hey, you know, do a squat. You just gotta feel it. Like you gotta like close your eyes and feel it. Some people are auditorial. You can just tell them and they won't even look at you. They're like, all right, God, I don't need to hear anymore. Um, some people are visual. Something most people, if you really want to solidify it all, they do all three. So it's like visual, auditorial, and they got to feel it. So I try to do that, add those principles in. But that's just like human behavioral stuff. Um, and then, and then also, you 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 don't want to be the guy that's not following the advice that's coming out of your own mouth. So like, you don't want to be a bullshitter. So if you want to, if you want to, um, if you really want to change people or like be, be a change, you need to like talk with your actions, let your actions always lead with teaching. So that's what I focus on. I focus on just like leading with my actions really. And, um, you know, not, not trying to be overly preachy. I've done that in the past, you know, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, I noticed when I was, I was like doing too much talking and then I realized like ultimately if the person's, mo if the, if, if whoever is, save your breath, just let people like watch your actions, know that you're not a bullshitter and then if they want to follow and make a decision, they want to take your advice, they're going to take your advice. And do it and then if they have a question they'll follow up and ask you so ultimately that's my approach because I, I years ago, like like in my 20s i'm 32 now um i was learning all this shit. i'm like dude i got all this stuff i gotta like throw it out on people you know because i'm excited about it but uh <laughs> no one wanted to hear it you know they're not ready to hear it so all right I was in the same way. I was very um, preachy, but I, and let me ask you this, because this is what I think when I look back at that. I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing at the time, but I do think that what I was actually doing was preaching to myself when I was over, when I was over talking, I was kind of telling myself what I needed to be doing because I was taking in so much. It was like this, this light started going off. I was taking in more information and I was like, Oh man. And it was like a, something went off where everything I learned in my past was now like, look, this is what it is you need to do. And then I would over talk and I was over preachy and I was saying things that you need to do and whatever, but I wasn't really doing all of it yet. So to me, I was overly preachy because I wasn't really, I was really talking to myself. Would you say that you were kind of in that same thing or was it a little different for you? No, no, 100%, 100%. Um, Ultimately, I feel like there's a moment in our in our in our in our life where you realize you're not the center of the center of the universe. I think that um, you know when you when I hear your story and some of the you know when you share some of your your uh, what was kind of going through your head at a young age, I can relate to because it it's like you're used to being you want to be the center of attention. You're the center of the universe. Um, thanks for the advice, guy. Or, or a teacher, but I'm going to do it better. I don't need your 
you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'll do it myself. You know, that's, that's independence. That's autonomy. That's power. That's, I can do it. I don't need your help. That's like a fire, um, which is all good ambition. But I think there's still like a strong ego that I, that I've seen in myself where I'm like, I'm the center of the universe and everything revolves around me. And then at some point, I, I don't know when it was, I realized that I'm not like you, we, like we always think we're more special than we are. And we think we're so special and unique and we're not. I mean, I mean, I mean, at least that's how I think about it now. And it's actually super relieving to be honest with you because you put all this pressure on yourself thinking that you're so special or like you're the center of it all. And it's like, Oh shit, no one's going to remember me in 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why am I, but, but I think once you kind of get over that, then like a whole world opens in front of you because dude, now you're not the guy who get, you don't give a shit. You kind of, you, you kind of, you, you don't give a shit. Yeah. And it's crazy, dude. Like, I remember doing things, especially towards the end of my, you know, drinking binges. Um, and even a little after that, if I would make a mistake, if I would do something incredibly stupid, I wasn't really mad at myself for doing that thing. I was always thinking that everybody was thinking about the thing I did. And it's like, no, dude, no one gives a shit about you. Like, you're laying here depressed because you think everybody's talking about you. And it's like, nah, dude, they're going on with their life. And you're sitting here thinking everybody is thinking about you all the time. Like how narcissistic do you have to be to think that the thing you did is what people are talking about 24 seven. Like you're the only one thinking that dude, you know, I don't know. It is funny you say that. Cause I, that's literally how my mind was. Yeah, man. I, I think that's, um, people will go through their whole lives and live like that. And that'll be their operating system for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, the fact that, you obviously went through that trial. I mean, we all go through our own trials and stuff. Actually, when I was 25, I intentionally took a year of sobriety. And it was fucking hard. Like, mm -hmm. going out to bars and shit, like, you know. Like, this was when I was still in the minor. So, like, I was, like, going out to bars, like, sometimes partying with, like, the other guy. Like, and I was, like, sober. I just wanted to do it. I wanted to... I wanted to just challenge myself. And what I realized is how much my behavior was linked around having alcohol as a buffer or as a, as a, uh, as that liquid courage or something, or like that lubricant, which it, which it kind of is. But like, if you just kind of train yourself to get through that, that uncomfortable feeling, there's so much freedom behind that. So it, it's like, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that, but like, I can relate to uh, a little bit of uh, kind of the narcissistic stuff and all that. Yeah, none of us like to think that that's who we are. You know, like we won't acknowledge that side of us. You know, I feel like, for me at least, like I always thought I was a good person, and I was not, and I would not want to acknowledge the other side of me. And you said you're into psychology and stuff. I'm really. I get into psychology, I get into a lot of philosophy and Carl Jung is a uh, philosopher and he talks about the shadow and it's like these people 
we don't really want to recognize our shadow, but we'll see the shadow in everybody else. So we'll see all our bad, uh, all the things that we see as flawed as us in other people. So we kind of mirror, um, we won't recognize the bad in us. We want to see it in the guy in other people. So we'll always point it out. And when I realized that, man, it was, it was game changing because, you know, I was, I would treat it women like shit. I was cheating constantly. I was, uh, I would do anything to like benefit myself, but somehow I always justified my actions as being a good person, some crazy way. And when I was able to kind of recognize that stuff, I was able to get better. And what I mean by get better is I mean mentally and emotionally. But the one thing that's new to me, man, is why I love talking to like you and guys like Pat Bryan is the physical side, you know, the, the actual, um, how, how that actually has a big contribution to my mental health and vice versa. And it all does go together, which is why I think the biggest thing you said today for me was aligning all of that and making sure that you're actually doing saying and actually doing it because I started uh, probably right around when I talked to Pat on this was a carnivore diet and I was eating strictly meat and I did it strong for about two and a half months. I lost a lot of weight. Um, I started running. I started going to jujitsu and I started to do, I just seen myself and Pat brought up a good thing that I don't, you know, I never really talked to him afterwards was changing little habits in my life and little habits lead to bigger, you know, when you look back, like you said, when you do change little habits and you look back, you're like, damn, that's where I was six months ago. And you don't really feel that much because you're just changing little things. And those were the little things for me. It was changing my eating habits, changing my physical, what am I doing physically to, to better myself? And now that I'm talking with you about, you know, actually doing and seeing the changes, I see it in my kids. You know, like from me actually doing it rather than just talking to my kids about things, I see it. You can see a difference in your kids. Um, so when you say that you, you, you do, right. And I see your post all on Facebook and that's how I kind of got introduced and wanted to uh, talk to you because you're so positive in everything that you talk about and you, you post videos of you actually doing things and it's very inspiring just to say the least. Um, Appreciate that. It, it is, man. It really is. And I love stories like yours. I do because some people can look at it and say he had no struggle. He was, and that's, that used to be who I was. You know, you see somebody doing good and you're like, well, they never had to deal with shit. And I don't think, because like you said earlier about Facebook and how it's negative, how it could be negative and positive. I say the same thing about my kids. Do we go to take a picture somewhere? My, my kids are crying and then you're screaming at them to smile. And now you got this happy picture, right? It's a picture. It looks happy, but it's not what was going on at the time. You know, like everybody was freaking out. Nobody wanted to take a picture. And that's what you see on Facebook, right? You don't see the struggle. So when you were, let me, let me take it here, dude. When you're going from college to, to the, from college to getting, going to the draft, what was that like? Like, how did you get from the point of knowing you were going to be drafted? And what did you have to do in between that, dude? Like, what did you physically have to do? That's like, I don't know, man. It just blows my mind as to, to for somebody to, that grew up next door to me. And this, that whole life to me was not realistic. Everyone I knew was 
doing drugs and drinking. And then there was guys like you that were about to get drafted into, you know, the MLB. Yeah, I mean, my dad had a big impact on me uh, growing up. Um, he, he, like, burned it into my head. Like, you are an average of the five people you surround yourself with. Like, he said that to me all the time. And um, to the point where I was, like, I would have, like, anxiety about people I'd hang out with. <laughs> to be honest, but it's but – it's, um, you know, I'll never forget it to this day. Like there, there was there was a there was a lot of times where like I was like I'm not going there. It's like you know, first of all, like I'm like I, I'm not any different than anybody else. Like I love the party. You know, you know, left to our own vices. Like I'll, I'm, we're we're gonna go. We're human. We're gonna get. We're gonna fall into the trap. We're gonna we're gonna fall into the pleasures. Um, so kind of just building context you know that's kind of been my attitude you know even at a young age was being very mindful of who you surround yourself with um and basically like you're a product of your environment so um transitioning from college to the pro level um really wasn't that big of a transition because you know a lot of the things that i was doing were working and you know in terms of like training physically um, you know, I just stayed with my routine and train at the gym. Um, you know, the training, training for me and working out has always been a foundational, positive, uh, domino habit for me. It's always been, a, it's always given me a structure. I, I, I went through periods of time where I didn't work out and I went through periods of time where I did work out and then I took a step back and went, oh. My life's a lot better when I have a structured workout program where I'm three days a week, four days a week for 12 weeks, and I schedule things around that, and I operate my life outside of that. So now that, that's, that's something that you kind of can see as a pattern in my life. That's like my, you know, my personal success formula, and um, building your life around that. So... I think it's freezing again. It's a good picture of you too. Is it? <laughs> well, as long as you can still hear me. I can still hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, cool. um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that so so I identified that kind of after college. Like I was like, I need to keep working out. I gotta keep training because it puts me in a good mind state, you know. Um, uh, you like yourself better when you're moving around, you know, when you're exercising, getting blood flowing, you're doing hard things. The, the, the voice in your head is a little bit more positive, you know, uh, you don't feel like a, like a, like, like a slob. So that, that's, uh, that's ultimately, I think, uh, uh, you know, why, why I exercise. And like, that was my, that was like my training regimen. I would just, I would run hill sprints. I still do. Like I'll still run hill sprints in, in the winter time and stuff, and um, do weight training stuff because I just like I like that mode you get into. You know, I like that that uh, that voice that comes out. It's like that voice is like a very motivating voice. It is, man. That that voice. I, I wish. If I could go, if I could, I, I hate when I say if I could go back, 
But that's one thing that nobody, literally, I don't think anybody has ever mentioned to me before was that voice in my head. What is it? Who is it? And what's it telling me to do? And why? Because it was so negative for me. Right. So I think I battle with that all the time is my inner voice is so negative and it's so down on me all the time. And I, that's one thing I tell my kid all the time, be like me and him went, uh, we went running the other day and we just started and he's like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm like, dude, we just started. You're seven years old. I can do it. You can do it. I said, who's telling you you're tired. He's like, I'm telling me I'm tired. I said, no, where are you hearing that from? Is that something in your head? And he's like, I think so. Something's telling me I need to stop. And I said, it's lying to you. Don't listen to that. You're better than that. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he looked at me like, you know that that's happening? And I'm like, yes, I know it's happening. Because it's just something I feel like sometimes, like where do thoughts come from? I think that was like one of my big things. Where is that voice coming from? So like for you, you said it gets more positive. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's more of a, a silencing. When I can silence that, which reading has helped me with it, exercising has helped me with it. So I don't know if it's ever gotten positive for me yet, but I know it's been silenced, and that's when I'm the happiest, when it's yeah. kind of not there. Yeah. yeah you know, just, I just got fed, fed up with listening, you know, like listening to the voice. And uh, – Something that I, something that I start, I'm start like that I started to do a couple of years ago is like I'm talking to myself now. Yep. Period. We're so probably all going to get committed to a hospital for talking about the voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, like you need to talk to yourself because how are you going to break the pattern, man? You got this bullshit operating system that you identify as it's not working. Right? It's like operating system. Um, I'm going to make myself feel worse and I'm not good enough. And I'm going to compare myself with everybody else's operating system. Click. And that's how we run our lives. It's like, no, fuck that. I'm taking that out and I'm doing something about it. And, um, you know, Talking to yourself, I mean, that's, it's, it's like a bully in the head. It's like, like we all have a bully in our head that we let run the show too often. And it's like, no, 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 not, not anymore, bro. This game's over. And then when you start to exercise, it's, you start to stand up to that bully in a sense. And that gives you your own voice. That gives you that, like, that voice in your head to kind of feel, have courage and strength. And, um, you know, that, that's why exercise for me is like, it's just a non-negotiable because it, it, it's, you say you're somebody, you say you want to be this person, this is what you got to do. And it's a, and it's a daily practice. That's what, it's, that's what kind of fires me up. Yeah, dude. I, and that's why I got into jujitsu and that's why I fell in love with it almost immediately was it's one of the only times that I'm fully present, right? So it's almost like when I meditate, because I, I do meditate, and when I meditate, it's more I'm still by myself. I'm still dealing with myself, but I'm not – there's nothing to stop. 
other things coming from my head, right? Which is good for the talking to myself. But when I'm doing jujitsu, I'm able to basically get rid of all of that because I'm, I'm also in a sense of I'm in full control of myself. I have to, I don't have control of what they're going to do, only what I'm going to do. And I'm fully present. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about yesterday. I'm like just fully present. And I'm also getting a workout in at the same time, which is what made me fall in love with it. And it just helps me with that battle, dude. You know, it really does. But you also mentioned your, your old man told you you're an average of the five people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. I think that's an awesome – that's like that, – that is awesome that that lived with you forever, dude. And, you know, for that reason and everything else your dad ever taught you, your dad lives forever through you and then through everybody that you're kind of teaching, which is where I get that, you know, we do live forever if we're making an impact on other people because that statement came from him. And – that's beautiful, man. I, I haven't thought about it that way. You know, it's the truth. I and that's an awesome it. thing, bro. And it's going to stick with me because I yeah, think, yeah. I love that statement. And I do I understand the concept of you being the people you surround yourself with. I love that concept, but you are the average of them. Yeah. I don't know, man. And learning that from a young age got to be pretty important. And not that you understood it back then, but you had an idea. And I'm sure you understand that concept way more now than then. Um. But did your did, let me ask you this? Did your parents like struggle throughout life, or like were they? Did they have their battles? And because I feel like my my parents, they they definitely struggled, but they were more of like everything's okay from the outside, to like never really showed that they struggled. And I feel like it kind of didn't hurt me, but it didn't better me. And I feel like I learned a lot from it. You know what I mean? Like I think it all happened for a reason. For somebody to say things like that, I feel like have to come from either somewhere of struggle or their parents or, or somewhere that they actually found themselves. Yeah. You know, do you, do you think, how was your childhood? Like, was that like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in my dad's case, uh, he grew up basically like poverty level stuff. Like he had like five, five siblings. They, uh, like, were always, like, traveling around from, they moved, like, three or four times in his youth, and, um, you know, Italian family, you know, it was loving, but money was always a problem, and athletics was uh, their solution to kind of get out, so, like, they, at a young age, they, uh, you know, they tried to, they tried to get scholarships, and they, they did, they actually, they they got to a point where they got basketball. My 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 dad and my uncle um, were like a year apart. Uh, both got basketball scholarships and kind of made their own way and eventually started a business together and kind of built like a pretty successful business and um, lived a pretty good life. You know that's that's how I was raised. I was raised kind of growing up in a household where, you know, my dad was kind of like my dad at a young age exposed me to like Tony Robbins, you know, because he was into it. Like he was like, I want to be a better, per like I want to be a better business guy. I want to, um, not perfect by any means, but like those concepts, uh, my mom's the, you know, salt of the earth. She's a nurse her whole life. Uh, sweet Polish woman, 
um, the nicest woman, nicest human being that I that I that I know. Like she, she's the type of person that she's having a bad day, you'll never know it. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> like, like my you mom. People, yeah, like you meet people like that. Like, like if I'm having a bad day, you, someone's probably probably like I'll either say it in my tone of voice or, you know. So I always, uh, I always try to emulate my mom in that manner. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they, they provided me with, with uh, roof over my head, um, good, good ethics, like strong Catholic upbringing type deal. Um, and we had dinner as a family up until about ninth grade. That was really important to my dad and my mom. And that was, uh, that, that still sticks with me to this day. Um, like, I think, I think family dinners are like, like non-negotiable. I think like, cause I, cause I, cause I find it very valuable even now when like I have dinners with, with my, with my mom or, or, or my brother, um, or even my friends. Like it's, it's, uh, it's just a great time. And that's, you know, it's kind of not a normal thing nowadays, which is kind of a shame. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, true, man. It, that's true. I, I have three kids. I'm married. Um, Eddie is uh, a son and he, he's married as well. And it is, it's, I think it's harder. I don't like to say it's harder. I think it's harder today for us to, to actually eat dinner as a family because of all the distractions and it's so much easier to cook and everybody kind of goes their own way. Um, especially the bigger your family gets. However, we do like my wife makes it a point that we eat dinner together at least twice a week that we're sitting down and eating. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing from it is the conversation, like forcing my son to share, like not really forcing, but like, just teaching him how to have a conversation about his day and talk about his feelings without spazzing out, without doing things that you normally would do and be able to escape in a video game or escape on the TV. Um, you know, but I think it is important too, man. And you're right. Not, I don't, not many people do like Ed, how many, do you have family dinners? Like do you guys? Yeah. So um, like my wife's kind of the same way. Like we, she kind of makes it a point like sometimes like i'll try and go and sit on the couch and like watch tv and eat my meal and she's like you're not gonna sit at the dinner table and, like her her and the baby are sitting at the table so like, i'll come over and like we'll sit like have dinner together and talk and like ask like how our day was going and stuff like that um i mean some days it's uh like my wife's a nurse like your mother and um so like she works just 12 hour shifts so, like some days like those days like we don't get to have family dinner um so like I, I think it is important to have that bond put like nick you said like put your phone away put it like somewhere else, another room and sit there and have a conversation and look at each other and talk um for, i want to say thank you uh for coming on and sharing your story uh it's definitely relatable like bill said um i played hockey for a long time uh through like grade school high school uh never went to college uh so like but like that inner voice like so like when i was younger i played uh for like two ice hockey teams a roller hockey team 
Uh, I was on the ice eight times a week, and I on off season I would go to goalie camps and stuff like that. And that like in when I went to like those camps, like do like training off on the off season, uh, is when I learned like some of those tools that you were talking about. And the inner voice, uh, if it was trying to like tell you, like they'll say like, oh, like uh, I'm tired, and like my goalie coach would be like. Don't listen to that voice and like push through. It's like humans are unbelievable, and sometimes we forget like how much we can actually do if we push ourselves and what we're actually capable of. Like people undershoot what they think they're able to do, and they don't get to the point of like. I guess like ultimate satisfaction because they never pushed through that wall. He got knocked that wall down because there's so much more on the other side. And like, if you can, or if you're able to talk yourself into it and push, keep pushing and get through that, um, you're, and you use that, like you said, like in your everyday life, not just like in like the weight room, but you, you also use it in school, in business, and like you're able to apply that aspect into your life, like it's definitely a, an asset you can use. It's 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 so hard though, man, because that wall, I feel like that wall shows up all the time, no matter what. Have you ever seen the movie Miracle? Like the, I think it was the Winter Olympics, the USA team against like yeah, Russia, yeah. and like when like they're when they're training before the actual Olympics and he's making them do like suicides, like up and down the ice and like the, they shut the lights off and then he's like, again, again. And like, he, he's trying to do that for them because like they're exhausted, but he knows what they're capable of. They don't see it in themselves, but he can see it in them. And he kept pushing them, kept pushing them. And then like the, at the end, like of that, like, scene like the dude the like the one dude like gets back up like they're all like collapsing on the ice because they're exhausted and the one dude like gets up and like gets to the line like he's ready for another one because now he knows he can do it yeah yeah but it's the truth man and you know i think nick brought tons of great points to it dude and i i love the family aspect brother yeah like that you wrap that kind of all of it into the to being family oriented um and I'm assuming you don't, you know, you said you're eating dinner and something. I'm assuming you don't have any kids or anything yet, or uh, no, you know, no kids. I got, I got three nephews. Yeah, which is better because you get to give them back after you're, uh, <laughs> after you're done. Yeah, um, yeah. But dude, my my son changed my life. It wasn't like for you to be at this point in your life and to have these tools is amazing because it wasn't until my son was born that I was able to to start looking uh, at the part I was playing in my life, right? Like I, I didn't want to take responsibility and then you have another life that you're responsible for, but you got no choice. You know, you, you have to, to start doing that and looking inside and, and starting to do these things that you're talking about. And it's crazy because they sound so simple, right? When you talk about them, it sounds so fucking simple, but for some reason we don't, it's like something has to happen for you to start really implementing these things in, in your life. And, you know, talking to somebody like you, Nick, and it's funny because I, I, I know when I messaged you and I was like, hey, you want to call my podcast? I know your name. And it's it's crazy because I literally 
I don't know the who said it or what, but I remember somebody coming up to me and being like, yo, dude that went to Ryan just got drafted to the Phillies, and it was you. That's how I know your name. And, you know, it's it's funny. How many people seen that name, and how, how many times did that happen across Northeast Philadelphia when that happened that you just are kind of – you have no idea that your name was just talked about for – you know, against thousands hundreds or thousands of people, of people yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And you, you don't really realize that dude was like my neighbor, man. Like, you know, he went to Ryan. He probably was in the classroom next to me. But instead, I looked at it as I was with these other five people, the average of those five people. And if I would have just, you know, maybe it didn't matter where I was at or it mattered what I was doing and what I was focused on. And I could have been that same guy. And just for kids out there that might be listening to this or a young guy that's might be listening to this, like you don't have to be sitting with the kids you're sitting with, man. If that's not the life you want, you can just move to that next classroom and do something different and not have to just go through the same things I did. You know, like you don't have to do that. You don't have to do those things. It's not what gets you noticed. It's not, I just think it's crazy, dude. Like literally you're probably in a classroom over for me. Never would have known you because you're like I'm not, I'm not messing around with whatever the fuck that dude's doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's it's it's cool. It's like stop and smell the roses and and appreciate all that, um, you know. But something that I'm that that you're bringing up, you know, it's cool to hear your story too, Ed, um, about hockey because I know it's not you know you basically dedicate your whole all your social time to this sport. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's crazy, um, you know. But, dude, we're story-creating machines. Like, all we do is create stories in our head. And we have more control over that than we may think. And, um, you know, and this is something I've learned from, I think it was like Tony Robbins, maybe. Like, if you want to start to rewrite your story, first thing you want to do is to elevate your energy. So start moving. And... Um, that's where exercise comes in, man. And I, can you hear me? I think we're freezing. Okay. I hear you're good. Yeah, you get okay. here. All right. Um, you know, I listened to the podcast that you sent me with uh, Pat. Um, and he, it was a great podcast. Um, he's a good dude. Um, I learned a lot from him because when I, when I was done playing, I actually reached out to Pat and he kind of, he kind of, he kind of uh, offered me some different opportunities and, and suggestions on where I can take my fitness career, you know. So he was a great resource for me. Um, so, so anytime I can, you know, help out him again, pay it back, I always try to do it. Uh, but anyway, you know, one of the things that has been very helpful for me is that is like story rewriting the story about yourself. And um, you know, you met he met, Pat brought up a great point about compounding small habits, um, like. The change starts like right now. It starts like this second. There is no more time to wait. Like if you want to, if you want to rewrite the story, you got to physically do something about it. Because remember that alignment thing we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, you're telling yourself this story. Man, I'm inspired by this person's story in this life, and I want to do something like that. And then you start talking about it, but you're not doing anything about it. So now the story is your bullshitter. So it's like, no, I'm inspired. I want to take action. I'm talking about it. I'm going to do something right, right now. And, and in terms of habit formation and 
and uh, getting it done. Undercommit. Too many of us want to overcommit to these these big, extravagant, sexy habits. We want to meditate every day and journal and work out six days a week and do cardio and you know blah 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 and do all these things and my life's going to be completely different. Like, dude, undercommit. Look at look at it from a from a year long process. You know, it's it's uh, July right now. When it's December. You want to be able to look back and go, holy shit, I worked out once a week for 52 weeks. Like that's a, that's cooler to, to look at than you sprinted for a couple weeks, you, you fell off and all that. So, um, you know, undercommit and keep that in mind about, uh, you know, the story, man. And and the way we kind of can create that story is is by doing something about it. So... Yeah, this is, uh, th those are like powerful things that I say to myself all the time. And, um, you know, I think that's cool that you guys do a book club too. I'm actually yeah. in a book club myself. Yeah, I mean, so I do this one on here that we do yeah. together online and we post it. And then yeah. I'm in another one uh, when I moved down to South Carolina. Uh, it's a Christian book club and I'm the only like non-identifying Christian in the in yeah. the in the club, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I align with all the values and everything, but I just don't like to identify as a Christian just for the sole purpose of identifying with that group ideology, I feel like could sometimes be negative because one, you know, if I call myself X, then anybody that looks at Christians sees something already. You know what I mean? They don't look and see Bill McDowell, they see that. And it's like, well, I'm not all of that. I'm just, that's just a little bit of me, you know? So that, but I, I, that's how I got into reading, dude, honestly, was I picked up, I, who got me into reading was Jordan Peterson. Do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yeah. So Jordan Peterson, dude, I was in a, I had to do a work trip and I was driving home from Maine and I was like, I don't, I can't listen to the radio anymore. I can't do podcasts. So I stopped at this bookstore. I was like, let me see if they have an audio book. And they only had one audio book and it was 12 rules for life from Jordan Peterson. And that ride home, dude, changed my life in way so many ways that like, yeah, insane. You've never heard of the dude before. It was just the only audio book that they had. Uh, but he has a, one of his rules to life was, um, uh, you know, aim, well, it wasn't aim, it was aim lower, right? Like, like you're kind of saying with uh, set smaller goals. It was aim lower. Sometimes we have this big goal in mind and we're making, trying to make these extravagant changes. Yeah. And this was just aim a little lower every time. If you fail, aim lower. If you fa fail, aim lower. And it started out with me making my bed. And that's how I started changing these habits. It was literally something as stupid as making my bed. But now every day, dude, my bed looks, I accomplished something. My bed looks good. So yep. if something goes completely wrong, I'm still coming back home to this thing that I did before anything could go wrong. Um, but it's crazy how life works like that, dude. Like literally, like that book changed my life and I had no idea who he was, nothing. And uh, that's how I got into reading. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, he's, he's, a, he's a beast. He, he's a guy that's done the work his whole entire career and, you know, he's an overnight success. But he's, he's doing the work for 40 years. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's amazing, man.
he scares me now, though, dude. I'm going to be honest. You know, he, I, I, cause I don't think he's an exception to his own rules, right? Like, I don't. And he just joined, like, the Daily Wire with, like, Ben Shapiro and stuff. And now he's, like, constantly pushing material out. And for some reason, something's, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, now I feel like instead of him trying to help people, he's almost trying to tell his own followers that if they don't act, they're going to be victims themselves, which I feel like is kind of what he was trying to help people with before. But I could be wrong, dude. I just, I don't know. His new stuff coming out seems from an angry place and not from a place of helping people. Yeah, yeah. I could see that a little bit and, you know, maybe pushing it or inauthentic in some areas. Yeah. Yeah. Like really trying to force these things or saying things that I'm, I don't really want to hear from Jordan Peterson. I want that deep stuff from Jordan Peterson. I don't want him talking about the girl in sports illustrated. There's a thousand other guys that are going to say that about the girl in sports illustrated. I don't need to hear it from Jordan Peterson. Um, but look, man, it's been about an hour, dude. I know you have a long day and stuff, dude. Um, what, what else do you want to – do you have anything else you want to share? Any other uh, things you want to, you know, talk about? No, man, I, I just appreciate the opportunity. And, um, you know, you know, this was um, a, a really good experience for me. And, um, you know, you highlighted some things that, I, you know, I haven't really thought about in a while. You know, mainly the, uh, you know, looking at what my dad has kind of brought with me and, like, he's kind of living forever. You know, that's, that's always been something that I've been struggling with over the last couple of years is uh, keeping his presence in mind. You know, that kind of hit home for me. So I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing that. And, um, yeah, I mean, you guys seem like we're, you know, you guys are cool dudes. You guys are seekers of truth. Like, I, like I'm, it, it was a pleasure meeting you guys. So I appreciate it. And, and if anybody's interested in, learning more about what I do or my gym, you can find me uh, on my website, uh, coachnickfur.com. Um, my gym is located in Croydon. It's 290 Bristol Pike, Croydon, PA. I always offer six free classes just, just to see if we're a good fit. If, uh, you know, if you know, a lot of people get intimidated by the gym setting, sometimes it's there, there's for whatever reason. Um, but I always like to offer six free classes. So there's no pressure. And uh, by that time, usually you'll figure out whether you want to train with me and be part of this environment or not. But um, I do online, online training as well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if anybody has any questions, I'm always, I'm always helping out, um, always willing to help out with people who are serious. Um, you know, hit me up on Instagram at CoachNickFerd.com or at CoachNickFerd and then uh, – if you want to email me, it's nick at coachnickbird.com. So, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man. Dude, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I I, yeah, man. I got some really good uh, – I learned a lot, man. I do, and that's the whole goal of this, man. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, you know, that's kind of my goal. I just want to have conversations. and uh, I learned a lot, man, like I said. Uh, I'll, I'll have all your stuff posted on the video too. I'll have links in the in the bio so that people can directly, uh, you know, just click the link to contact you if if they do want to reach out. I would highly recommend it. Um, just from following you on Facebook, I can obviously tell you're a good inspiration, especially on uh, from what I could see the younger guys, uh, which is really cool. Uh, because I do my, just to 
one little tidbit. Like I've always, I've thought about this concept, not at your level, but from a younger uh, standpoint, because I, I don't feel like I'm the best to train kids do, but I coach my kids. I coach my kids baseball team. I've coached his basketball team. I'm about to coach his football team. Um, and I love it. Like it's the one time where I'm in love with what I'm doing. And it's not even from the standpoint, because I won't know how to do it from your level, right? Like that's not where I'm at, but just the younger guys. So like that, that is a goal of mine to one day be able to try to implement something like that in, in my life where I'm helping younger guys try to overcome that, that voice in their head. So I was really excited to talk to you, man. I'm glad you did. I'm, I appreciate not really, uh, worrying too much about the first half hour that we had to, that we just kind of did this and it went the wrong way there. Um, but again, man, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And, um, I hope to have you on again sometime, dude. Absolutely. Just let me know. I'm always down. You guys are cool. Well do, man. You're the man dude and, uh, keep doing what you're doing, brother. Thank you. You too. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good night. Yeah. Yep. Nice meeting you guys. Nice meeting you too, man. Pray for her.